so glad that Kyle and Jess have the opportunity to um, get ready for their wedding together and celebrate with their friends. I'm also really glad that we have technology that lets him be with us even when he cannot be here. We are starting a new sermon series today. It's called Made for This. And this sermon series is based around the truth that you and I come to the church, do grow groups, Bible studies, and serve teams, not because the church needs us. It's a lot like what I talk about during giving. We don't serve in the children's ministry or the youth ministry or with our blessing boxes because the church needs it. We don't sign up for a Bible study because if we don't sign up, there'll be nobody in the group. So we're not looking for butts and seats. Lots of churches are looking for butts and seats, but not here. What we want you to understand is that the opportunity to serve and the opportunity to be in community with others through Bible study is a gift that God has given us to teach us how to do life best, to teach us how to grow, to teach us what faith looks like. Each one of these opportunities is a chance for you to reach beyond your own life into the lives of others and to have those lives impact you also. So when you look at the different serve opportunities, what I need you to look at is not where the greatest need is, but where God's going to use you, your giftings, your skills. And if you don't know, well, then try one. And if it doesn't work out, guess what? It ends. And you can try something out next time. But these next few sermons are going to be about the fact that you and I were created. We were made to be a part of something that is bigger than us. And so we're going to talk about that today by looking at the idea of community the idea of the purpose of community, and we're going to look at Romans 12 to get that lesson. Here's our scripture for today, Romans 12, 1 through 8. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. Lost my place because I took my eyes off the thing. Here we go. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. It is serving, then serve. It if it's teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. And if it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God, Thanks be to God indeed. I want to start today by telling you about the events that occurred on July 5th, 2005, and July 6th, 2005. There's somebody in this audience who knows exactly where I'm going because it's about his birthday, July 6th, one of my kiddos. But on July 5th, 2005, I showed up to the Orchard Church at about um, 7 o'clock in the evening, 
And at the time, we were meeting in the auditorium of a high school, so we had an office suite, which is where we did everything else. And I walked into the office suite, I went upstairs, and I was there for the weekly meeting of our youth group. I had been a part of the church for a little less than a year at that time. I had been a member for just a few months. I became a member Easter that year, and so this is just a few months later. And I went there to serve our youth. I had a calling. I felt that I needed to use my life to serve teenagers because I knew how hard it was to be a teenager. I knew that it was a difficult process, and I wanted to be a part of their journey so that they could see that life could be a little bit easier. And so I had committed for a season of time to work with the youth. In fact, I ended up working with them for over six years. But on that particular day, I walked upstairs, and to my astonishment, they were throwing me a surprise baby shower. We're talking about teenagers here, teenagers that are aged from 9th to 12th grade, it was their ideas, not their mamas, to throw me a baby shower. It was the most amazing thing. I just showed up each week and did life with them, but they decided that I needed to be celebrated, that my child needed to be celebrated, so they bought me little gifts and we had cake and it was a great time. And at the end of the night, the youth leader and some of the leaders of the youth group, the kids, uh, had me sit down in a chair. And then they came in front of me with a bucket of water and a towel. They removed my shoes and they washed my feet, much like Jesus did. I went home that night. Joe was working. And so I said, he, we knew we, the baby was due in two weeks, and so we were trying to get a lot of things done. We were trying to get the house ready because all of our family was coming from California to be present for the birth. And so I said goodnight to Joe, and I went to bed, and in the middle of that night, labor started. And I remember getting up and thinking, oh my gosh, a bed's going to be delivered today. There's like 50 other things that we haven't done. This, this, I was in the middle of putting together a, a dresser for the guest room, and none of it was ready. I wasn't ready. But I had a peace in my soul because of what happened the night before. I felt like it was a special blessing on me, on my child, on this birth process. And so Joe and I um, bundled ourselves up at 6 o'clock in the morning, headed on out to the hospital, and on the way, Joe texted some friends, friends that we had made at church, friends that we wouldn't have otherwise because we were in Georgia and we had no family. Not one family member of ours did or does live in Georgia. But we had stuff showing up at our house. We had a bed being delivered. We couldn't change that. And so we had friends that showed up at our house. They finished putting together the dresser. They received the delivery of the mattress, they put the bed together, they even made it. And it was that day, as I was becoming a mother for the very first time, that I truly began to understand what true Christian community looks like. You see, I'd been part of communities before. I'd been in school, and as the kids say, some of my school community experiences were great, and some other ones really not so great. I'd been part of the marching band, and at my school, the marching band was 300 people of community. It was pretty big. I had been a part of a work. I started working when I was 12, and I worked at the same place until I was um, almost 20 years old. So I had that community of people, but I had never before experienced the community that comes from believers united together to do life together. 
It was a different experience. And it changed Joe's life and my life and the life of my kids. And so today, I want to talk to you about why community is so important. I want to talk to you about why Christian community in particular is necessary in our lives. And I want to do that by looking at this Romans passage. Because what you're going to see as we get through this time together is that the reason why community is so important, the reason why you and I were actually created, made internally, both our neurological structure and our body structures were made to be in community because it is only through community where we can see the full goodness of God. It is only in community where we can experience, see, and understand the fullness of our creator. So if we start at Romans 12, we have to pay attention to the fact that the very first word we read in our scripture was the word therefore. Does anybody know what the word therefore means? So, but we have to look at, so what? What? He said, therefore, it came after something. There's something before. Anytime you see the word therefore in scripture, what it means is you need to stop where you are and look at where you've come from. You got to stop and see what came right before the scripture, because whatever it is that Paul is going to say here has to do with what he said right before this moment. And so what Paul says right before we open up in Romans 12:1, Paul actually gives a praise to God. It's called a doxology. It's similar to the doxology that we sing every week. It's a praise to God. And this is what he says. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his past beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has ever been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him are for him all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. You see, Paul is one of our ancient apostles. And Paul is um, responsible for much of the New Testament in the form of letters that he wrote to different communities. The book of Romans in Scripture is written to, guess what? The people in Rome. And Paul writes a letter to the people in Rome having not visited them before, having not been to their churches, having not met them before. Most of the letters that you see Paul write, he's writing into a a specific problem that a church is having. When you look at Corinthians or Ephesians, what Paul is doing is he's addressing an issue in the church because he's a leader of the church. But the book of Romans, when you look at it as a whole, it doesn't seem to be addressing a particular issue. Instead, what you see in the book of Romans is that Paul is giving a bird's eye view, a big picture view of what it means to live in Christ, what it means to come in salvation, and then what it means after you're saved to live daily as a follower of Christ. It's kind of like a blueprint. So if you're new to faith or if you're looking to revive your faith, the book of Romans is a great place to be because it gives you great understanding as to what it means to be a follower of Christ. And what's happening here in chapter 12 is that Paul is telling us that God is good, that God is our leader, that God is our creator. And in order to experience the fullness of that glory, this is where the therefore comes in. 
he praises God and says that God is good. And then he says, therefore, because God is good, because God is beyond anything that you and I can fully understand, we are encouraged by Paul to offer up our bodies. He says specifically the word bodies as a living sacrifice in response to the goodness of God. So what does that mean? Are we supposed to have a whole bunch of human sacrifice happening? No. Are we supposed to give up everything we've ever done in our entire lives in order to follow Jesus? Well, maybe some of us. But today, we're going to look at the idea that giving up our bodies as a living sacrifice to God is really us committing to becoming part of community because that is what we were created to be a part of. And in order to see that, we have to look at this whole piece of scripture. You can't just take one sentence out and let it direct everything. You've got to look at the context. And so Paul is telling these people here, he's saying, we have to live together. In a few sentences, we'll get to it, but he says, we are one body, the body of Christ. And in order for the body of Christ to function well, we all have to participate in that community. So if community is how we experience the fullness of God, how do we live into community? What does that look like? And what you see here is Paul giving us some tools, some guardrails as to what it means to live in community. In Romans 12, 2, you see Paul say that the first thing you're supposed to do, or really not supposed to do, in order to live into what God has for you is to not conform to the patterns of this world. That is, a fr that is one of the first pieces of scripture I ever memorized. This truth that in order for me to experience God, in order for me to experience the fullness of what God has for me, I have to learn not to conform to the ways that this world lives and moves and breathes, but instead transform my mind, transform my patterns in living into the ways of Christ. When we look at community, there's some pretty clear markers that we can understand here. In the world that we live in today, there's community in lots of different expressions. In the world that we live in today, we are told that the nuclear family, especially in the American dream, right, that the nuclear family is the number one community. It should be put above all else. We sacrifice everything in order to care for our husband, our wife, our children, our parents, our grandchildren. We move our life around. We move our schedule around in order to honor the family. Now, to be sure, for a lot of people, family is a really great community. For some people, family is one of the most damaging communities you can be a part of. But in our world, in our culture today, we put community as a family as the number one priority. We also see that in this world today, we have school as a community that is highly praised, that is highly lifted up. You need to be educated. You need to go to school. I told uh, Keaton was giving me a whole lecture this week on what school's about and why he has to go there and kind of how it's a sham, but what kid hasn't thought that, right? <laughs> but we have to, we have a school community, and for some people, the school community is a great place where you grow and thrive, and for other people, it's a place where you never fit in. You're never enough. Then there's the work community. We, we leave school, we start working, and there's people around there that teach us, that we learn from them, that we end up doing life with a lot of our coworkers. 
especially if they're good. Even if they're bad, we have to do life with them, because guess what? We don't get to pick sometimes. We also have sports communities. In our world today, sports are lifted up so high. If you are going to play baseball, not only do you have to play baseball, but then you have to have some private lessons, and then you have to go onto the travel team, which costs $7,425,000, and you have to do all of those things in order to really matter in this community. But what happens in our lives today is if we are not careful, the only true community we have is going to be from one of those worldly places. Those just happen. You're going to have a family, good or bad. You're going to go to school, whether or not you like it. You're going to end up working and working with people you like and you don't like. You're going to have a group of friends that you meet and play cards with, if some of you hear her do that, and you play cards every week. That's a community. Right? But the point that we need to understand for today, and what Paul is telling us here, is that we have to be intentional about the communities that we put ourselves into. Most specifically, we have to choose on purpose to make our Christ community a priority, to make our Christian community a priority. You see, Joe and I had experienced lots of community before we experienced Christian community for the first time. And it was in Christian community that I learned to do a budget. It was in Christian community where I was held accountable to that budget. It was in Christian community that I learned how to share the vulnerable pieces of my life so that I can heal and so that the people that I'm sharing with can relate. To those broken pieces of my life. It was in Christian community where Joe was challenged on some of the people that he listened to. Joe, is that really somebody you want to let have a voice in your life? Not in a harsh way, not in a mean way, but just, hey, we're doing life together. And I think you might find life to be a little better if you're not listening to that person every day. It was in Christian community that I learned how to be a better parent. I can promise you now I am not a great parent, but I know I would be a million times worse if I hadn't had friends, especially in those first few years that we met together and we talked about how hard it is to do life. These people that I were going to, we had the same core belief, this belief that God is good and that God is walking with us. I could have gone to any mother's group and gotten advice, but in this group, I knew that the central teaching, the central focus, the central motivation was living out a life for Christ. It was in Christian community where I learned to be a better wife in a lot of ways, where I learned what it meant to give and take where I learned what it meant to have good and healthy expectations, where I was challenged, and I'm going to say this because it's important for marriage, where I was challenged to have a healthy sex life with my husband. When you take those conversations out of Christian community, the guidance and the examples that you get are most likely not going to lead you to what's best for your life. 
Instead of challenging me to participate in my relationship healthfully, I could have friends that say, oh my gosh, isn't he just horrible? You have those groups, right? They're the groups that you can go to and you feel good because you can say all of the things you wanna say and they're gonna say, yep, uh-huh, you're right. That's a terrible person. Whether it's your spouse, your friend, your coworker, but in Christian community, our core is not what we want. Our core is what God wants for us. We were made for Christian community. We were made to need it and we were made to participate in it. If we look further on in Romans, we see another admonishment for us. So we're supposed to not uh, conform to the patterns of this world. And then also it says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Now, this one's tricky. Because I would bet most of us here would think, I don't think of myself very highly. In fact, I don't like myself most days. Or some of you would be like, well, I'm I'm fine. I haven't done anything wrong in my life. I've, I've been a pretty good person. But what we see in this moment is that we're supposed to judge ourselves not based on cultural standards, not based on cultural norms, but on God's best for us. And what it says here is that we're not supposed to judge ourselves too highly. And then it says, for, because each of us has been created to be a part of the body of Christ. You see, one of the things that I have fallen to, one of these traps I have fallen into in life, is this ideal of the individual. That individual faith. There's so many people who will tell you, I have an individual faith in Christ, and that's all that I need. I am doing my Bible studies, I am reading my Bible, but I don't need anybody else. There are people who go to work every day and say, I can do this alone, and if I don't do this alone, then I'm not good enough. If I can't perform my job by myself, then I'm not doing it right. And our culture today lifts up this idea that you got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get it done. And the more you do it yourself, the better person you are. But the truth is that we are a part of a body. Every one of you, me, in fact, every human on the face of the planet, believer or not, was created to be a part of the body of Christ. And every gift that we have, whether it's singing or teaching or prophesying or being creative and decorative, those gifts were not made to glorify you. Those gifts were not made to advance this world. Those gifts were made to glorify God and to give you a place in the body of Christ. You and I, as a member of a community, are called on not only to allow ourselves to have relationships with others so that they can help us, like I experienced, like Joe experienced, we experience so much help from other people. We're also called to be a part of the body in such a way that it's sacrificial. I remember specifically I was asked to help with the children's ministry at my first church, um, and I am not great with kids. Teenagers, fine. 
little kids. Mine I loved, I enjoyed, but you give me a whole bunch of little kids and I get overwhelmed quickly because they all talk and they all talk at the same time and they have a way more energy than I do. And I knew that this wasn't what I wanted to do, but in that moment, I was called to fulfill a need. And so I showed up, but I said, hey, give me the babies, because I can, I can do babies. <laughs> I don't mind being thrown up on, but if I have to answer a million questions, I don't know what I'm going to do. And so that day, I showed up, and a mom came. I had just had Brennan. He was a new baby. A mom came, and she had her, she had her son in her hands, and you could tell she was really nervous. She was new to the church. She'd only been a few times, but every time she'd been to the church before, she kept her baby with her. And on that day that I happened to be there was the first day she was going to try and put her baby in the nursery. And so she came to the nursery, and I could tell, because I had been there, that she was terrified. Terrified of being separated from her child, terrified of not knowing what's going to happen with these random people that I do not know watching my kids. And so I had just a conversation with her, and I did my best I could to make her feel better, and we talked about it, and after a small conversation, she handed me over. She gifted me with her son, the trust of caring for her child. She didn't last that long, not the child. The child was fine. <laughs> Mom came back about 15 minutes later and said, you know. <laughs> the next week I was in nursery again, she came back. She tried again that week. She made it longer that day. She tried four times before she was able to give up and feel comfortable leaving her child. And I know that God used me in that minute. I may not be fabulous with children, but God knew I needed to be there because we had a connection. We were going to create a connection. And because of that connection, she became comfortable enough to trust us with her child. She became a thriving member of the church. But being a part of a community is not just about our growth. It's not just about our faith. It's about how God's going to use you to impact the faith and the lives of others. Because we're part of a body. And when a body doesn't have all of its pieces, it cannot function the way that it's made to function. If you don't have your arms, life is hard. If you don't have the use of your legs, life is hard. If you don't have the use of your eyes, life is so much harder. The church is hurting because our people are using their best gifts for this world instead of for the mission of Christ. The church needs us to stand up and say, I am going to be a part of this community and I am going to let God show me where I am to be used. Sometimes it'll be right in line with your gifts and sometimes it's going to take you way outside of your comfort zone. But whichever it is, two things are going to happen. You are going to grow and you are going to impact the lives of others. But you have to be a part of community in order for that to happen. We were made for this, biologically created for community because we are created in the image of God. And God exists for all time in community. God is not one but three. God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
God has never existed outside of that community, and you and I were created to always have community just like God does, to give our lives for community. It is an interesting thing when we think about the world that we live in and the choices that we have when it comes to living our lives. Our challenge this week is to learn to be more intentional about making Christian community a number one choice in our life. Not fifth choice, not seventh choice, not 105th, but putting that right up there on top. Because without you, the body suffers. I want to say one thing. I, I can't go without saying this. Christian community is highly, highly important. But because Christian community is made of humans, Christian community can be damaging. There are some people in this room. There are people who are watching. There are people who will never go to church again, so they say. Because they walked into a building where Christian community was supposed to be present and they found judgment, they found pain, they didn't find the love of God. And so we must be careful when we step into Christian communities to assess what is present. Do you see love? Do you see mutuality? Do you see division? Or do you see united front ready to represent Christ? You and I, as we participate in Christian community, we must be willing and able to put ourselves aside so that we can do it in such a way that we represent God and not ourselves, that we represent God and not the values of this world. We were made to be a part of community because community is the only way we can experience the fullness of God. When I look back at my growth as a human, not just as a Christian, but as a human. Every time that I allowed myself to be a part of a community, and I've told you before, I am a total, total um, introvert. Thank you. Thank you. It just wasn't going to come. I am an introvert. I like to be alone. It's easier for me to be alone. But I wasn't created to be alone. And as I look back through my life, it was those times when we gave of ourselves to other people in Christ that we grew the most. I look back at that time when Brennan was born and those people who showed up at my house, who took care of us, who left, a, who left food in a crock pot for when we were coming back from the hospital for the first day, who became our family when our family was thousands of miles away who taught me what it meant to have God as center instead of somewhere over here. When I look back at that, I understand that though it may be hard, the place that we belong is together as the body of Christ. 